Hello again, and welcome back to Sarah's Space. Uh, tis I, a solo appearance today after the raucous and uproarious and totally delightful visit with Jill, uh, Jill Hennis, last uh, podcast that we all connected. Uh, but I am on my own again today, and I wanted to talk primarily, well, there's actually going to be a few topics, but they're all somewhat correlated and interrelated. I'm going to start with a very interesting thought and topic that was introduced to me by a young woman, I guess about a week ago. She expressed to me that in her future, uh, coming up quickly in the next two years, she's choosing post-secondary education over pursuing any sort of uh, post-academic training in dance or a professional career in dance. And she said, well, she asked, she said, I don't, I don't know how to identify with myself when I'm not dancing because it's been so incredibly all consuming. It's been my life. It's been everything as long as I can remember. And I don't know how I feel about that. And yet I know this is the decision I want to make. And I felt such, um, I felt such empathy when she asked that because I totally understand and I think many, many, many countless dancers and former dancers and people who have danced can attest to the same thing. That, that strange moment when you realize that when someone says, oh, so what do you do? You won't be answering, oh, well, I dance or I dance when, when they say, what's your hobby or what do you do in your spare time? You won't be saying dance as your first and foremost. And I think that what we, or what I answered to her is I think what the most important thing is recognizing and, and honoring what dance is to us each as individuals, because it really is something different to each and every one of us. And I think that we're in a place of making a decision past academic training to think about what we're doing in our future, I think that is one of the, the dividing moments in which we recognize, oh, I have different priorities than maybe my peer or my friend next to me. And that doesn't make either one of us less than the other. It doesn't make either one of us um, more dedicated or less dedicated. And it doesn't take anything away from the moment right now in which even though I've thought about what my future plans are, I am not any less committed in this moment that I am still 100% dancing with my spare time. And I think that's not only important for the person in the center room at the time, that we are still with them and not to make them feel as though they are less appreciated because they are not aspiring to the same future that we may see for them or that we would wish for them or that we wanted for them or any of the above. So I think what we always need to remember is, is that uh, that young person at that time is making an incredibly important um, self-motivated and self-guided decision that means the world to them. And our, our, I mean, apart from making sure that they have thought it through, it's not really up to us to tell someone else how to live. Even as a parent, our I think our goal is to provide opportunities and possibilities and 
as much guidance in our own personal feelings and experiences as we can. But if we force what we think our young person should do with their lives, I just see a valley of resentment ahead and lack of fulfillment and possible unhappiness, etc., etc., etc. Again, that is my opinion as both parent and teacher, but I um, must say that I have nothing but gratitude towards my own parents for allowing me to follow my own path, make my own mistakes, be there always, and unconditionally love, but push me to figure it out. And if I was going to make big decisions, then make sure that I had thought out those big decisions as much as possible. So going back to this young woman who asked me this question, I first said all of those things, and then I said, and for you in the middle of it all, think about what dance is to you. Is it the feeling when you're moving? Is it the, is it the moment that you have that exhilarated quality that happens when you step on stage and realize you're sharing with an audience? Is it, is it the satisfaction of knowing that you've worked at something that is so incredibly hard for so long and achieved so much? If it's any or, or all of those things, it's always in you and you are a dancer and you have danced and you will dance always, if not necessarily in a studio, in a training situation, um, diligently day in and day out, you may make it something that you do for pleasure in the future. You may make it something that you just do in your heart. You may make it do some, make it be something that is a living memory. I love that word, actually, that living memory word, which to me just means that it stays alive. And it's not just something that's sort of dormant and stuck in the past. It's very much, it's very much current and alive. And I feel as though a lot of what plagues us as far as our identity as a dancer are other people's impressions of that and other people's comments on that and other people's uh, ways of relating to us. And I related to this young lady a moment that I went through when I got home from Europe many moons ago when I was 19. And, you know, it hadn't worked out for me in Europe, even though I left with heady dreams and heady aspirations. I learned about 20 years worth of, <laughs> of learning in a very short time period. I matured uh, enormously. I pushed myself to places that were uncomfortable and invaluable. And I missed my family beyond the moon and back. I re-identified what was a priority for me. I reconfigured my world to understand that yes, I wanted to dance and I was a dancer, but not at the cost of my humanity and the people that I loved and the, I guess the sense of grounded self that I wanted to feel at all times as opposed to just, well, I'm a dancer and I'll just dance wherever, whenever, with whomever. I, I guess I learned very quickly that that just wasn't me. And that's not taking anything away from someone else who might be much more content than I to find their way differently than I did. 
But I came back from that. I also had thrown myself a few loops in the sense that um, a sort of gestational eating disorder, <laughs> gestational, uh, not exactly appropriate terminology. Let's just say an eating disorder that had been in gestation in my late teens and last year of high school became full blown when I was away uh, due to my homesickness and my, I guess, my unhappiness and, and momentary depressed state of mind, realizing that this goal, this desire that I had created for myself wasn't fulfilling my deepest spirit. It was but a career goal and that wasn't going to be enough. And the fears that I needed to rectify and remedy that pretty quickly, it sent me into a bit of a health tailspin. So by the time I come back, uh, the bulimia aspect of my eating disorder had kicked in and I had put on about 15 pounds that I didn't have at the end of high school. And I was in my home area, went for, I don't know, some sort of chore, bumped into an old elementary school friend who we were both awkward with one another because we hadn't seen each other since elementary school, first of all. Second of all, our friendship had sort of been one of those ones that dissolves off into nothingness. So that's always an awkwardness too because you realize, wow, you used to be really good friends and now you really have nothing to say to one another. And then the third state was that she looked at me and, and couldn't disguise her shock at my changed appearance. And I just felt that like a blow to my heart because I could see her eyes and I could see the shock on her face. And then I saw her recover herself and her manners and try very hard to act like none of that had occurred. And I, I you know, was so on guard and so defensive and feeling so insecure and she said it in that sort of deeply questioning way, are you still dancing? And I felt as though, I guess as though my world crashed in. And I, I, I guess I wanted to say, well, yes, of course. And, and why would you think anything other? And realizing that she thought something other because my physical state had changed and thereby she assumed that that meant that I was probably not dancing any longer and not... Uh, consumed with that passion and that, uh, well, at the time, obsession. And I reeled for a couple of days. I really reeled and I thought, well, am I still a dancer even though I'm going through this and my body's changed and I need to sort myself out and I need to know, well, where am I going to go and where am I going to pursue if I'm not going to Europe and I don't want to be there 5,000 kilometers away from my family? What do I want? And when I said this to this young woman just last week, I said that it came down to me recognizing that I had to feel what was in my heart. And my heart said, I am a dancer and I will sort this out and it's going to be hard. And I guess that's my path. And I was okay with that over the long run, long run being the operative term. It certainly didn't happen overnight and my health slowly but surely got back on track within the next, I guess it took me a good year. I would say I seem to remember a couple of watershed moments and then by the time I turned 20, I was just tired of feeling crappy. <laughs> I was tired of feeling insecure and sorry for myself and 
sort of almost providing myself this excuse, well, you know, it's because I'm not in optimum health that, you know, things aren't working out the way I want them to work out. And then I thought, well, who's in charge of my optimum health? I am. And I want them to work out. So let's go forward. And I, I, I presented that to this young woman in the sense that you are in charge of your optimum future and you've decided that you want a post-secondary education that is academic primarily. And if you want to pursue dance in some organized fashion, you'll find a studio close by that in embraces adult, young adult students, or you'll find a dance team or dance group or dance club on campus, and you will find something that satisfies and fulfills you. And you will move forward knowing that you're following your path, not a path of just, well, this is what I've always done, so I better do it. And in the end, she thanked me and, and I just wanted to make sure that she felt as though I had helped her find what that, that answer was for herself in, in the, re the relating of my own struggle. And, and, and I also just said that, you know, every dancer feels this when it comes time to a, a life change or a life choice or a pregnancy or a retirement. I mean, I, I have to say that I don't, I still to this moment don't say, well, I'm done performing or I'm done dancing, even though I shouldn't say done dancing. I'm definitely not done dancing. I dance every single day that I teach as full out as humanly possible, but performing, I haven't actually actively done. And I think it's over three years now, but I don't want to say I'm done because I don't know if I am. <laughs> I guess that door isn't completely closed and it's not that I'm worried that I will no longer identify as a dancer. It's just that sense of, well, in my heart, when I ask my heart, my heart just kind of says, well, I don't know. If opportunity arose and you liked it or thought well of it, then you probably would do it. So that's what I have to think about that. And there's a slight segue away from that as well. And that's that I think that when we think about being done dancing, we go through this huge upheaval, both emotionally and physically, because we are no longer putting ourselves under the constant scrutiny of someone at the front of the room or many someones around us or ourselves. And we're no longer necessarily putting ourselves in that fitness and health regime. And you know what? you can be fit and healthy in so many ways. And a lot of it is embracing what that means to you rather than it being a discipline born of necessity or of pleasing or of habit, make it something that makes you feel good. And that can be walking, that can be yoga, that can be Pilates, that can be meditating every single morning and drinking a cup of tea. It can be whatever it needs to be. And there is no, uh, there is no lesser state of healthy mind and body if you are truly healthy in mind and body. And I guess that's also a separation from the elitism that quite often surrounds being a dancer and the dance world. So I need to address that as well. Uh, another thing I've been thinking about is spreading kindness. And this is going to correlate to one other thought I wanted to address that another young person has brought up with me recently, and that is the social media world and how in, 
in, I believe, attempts at great kindness, many people will post successes of their students or their children or their relatives, and they will not boast, but they will be proud and they will proclaim, look what so-and-so did, and I am so proud of them and what they are achieving. And for people that are maybe the audience to that or the people that choose to read or scroll or peruse their social media, there has to be a cautionary tale and recognize that someone else's success is not your lack thereof or your failure. It's just someone else's success. And when I say just, I'm not minimizing it either for that someone else. I'm saying that we need to recognize that there, there are successes in so many different ways. And some are quiet. Some are behind the scenes. Many are behind the scenes. And there, there have been many moments that I myself have thought, oh, well, I don't have a bunch of acronyms behind my name that have, you know, the, the weight of eight to 12 years of post-secondary education. Again, not minimizing those that choose to have eight to 12 years of, of post-secondary education. I just haven't chosen to do that formal route. And I have had moments where I thought, well, does that make my my autodidact education any less valuable? Does that make what I have to offer less valuable? Does that make my commitment less committed or important? Uh, my effect less important? And I think that it's fair to say that every single human being, no matter how centered, grounded, confident, and sort of... Uh, I'm not I'm not sure exactly the word I'm looking for, but I guess when we look to someone, we say, oh, they've got it together. I think that we need to recognize that we're all human and we all have that frail moment where we feel as though there is another, an other being in a quotation marks that we haven't fulfilled. And does that, does that make us less? So whether it's through social media, which of course is so prevalent and so easily accessible that I think that it's easy to say that that's probably the the most immediate source that most of us experience, or whether it is through conversation. We need to recognize that we can celebrate someone else's success as being different from our own and wonderfully valid. And if it's someone else expressing a success of someone they love or admire, we can think that's wonderful that you see that and appreciate that and don't let it remove or minimize or diminish anything you feel successful about, even if it can't be proclaimed in a traditional manner. I have a private joke with a dear friend in which I feel like sometimes I have to secretly feel magical, <laughs> my secret magical powers, because it's not something one would See, even now I'm shy even saying that out loud because it's not something one talks about. It's just something that we need to feel. Uh, if we feel good about it inside ourselves, let's feel good about it. Whether or not it can be written down in the traditional manner is what I'm basically getting at. And on that same note, I feel as though every time I scroll through my uh, Facebook page and I see the many, many different posts uh, relating to birthdays or personal successes or achievements. I just want those people to feel 
even more goodness inside themselves. And whether or not I personally will ever post those kind of things or feel like that is a necessity for me, again, that doesn't take it away from anyone else. And I just really want to spread kindness and spread goodness because I feel as though our world is, is blanketed with a lot of darkness and blanketed with a lot of taking and, and uh, hunger of the soul, the spirit, and the body. And the more we can spread that warmth and the genuine nutrition that comes from and that genuine buoying up of the spirit that comes from people's support and people's recognition, I think that I've taken it upon myself anyways to do so and will continue to do so whether I'm a part of the the continued social media world or just my own immediate sphere. I think that the smile that I imagine when it's over cyberspace or the smile that I so wonderfully get to see across someone's face when I take the time to recognize something that I want to recognize about them, that smile will stay in my spirit and my soul for my whole life and make me feel as though we are all holding hands with each other and we are all helping to prop each other up and we are all we're all part of each other's growth and evolution and and goodness and i think because i don't pursue a formal spirituality i think that that is something that is really important to me to feel that connectiveness between all of us so those are my thoughts for today um a little heady <laughs> deep and probing as per usual I uh, am actually recording this remotely as opposed to on my computer, so I have no idea what time I has transpired. I'm taking a peek. Mm. Yeah, still have no idea. So I, I will still say that I think that, that that culminates my thoughts in a tidy fashion, hopefully leaves you with some things to ruminate about in your own existences. And as always, I so appreciate you joining me in Sarah's space. I wish you a lovely day. Thank you. Bye.